0: Drive-by Cinema! Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun!
1: Hello, hello! It's Season 2, Episode 6 of Drive-by Cinema!
0: Sorry, who are you here with?
1: I'm here with Paul and Paul is here with me, Rick.
0: No, I'm a vet fielding and I'm here with all kinds of people in this room. Special day for me because now the number of episodes I need to count on two hands. So Yeah. It's like a birthday for me. Why? Because Well, I normally count up to things on one hand, so this is like a big progress thing for me. Six. <laughs> yeah. Special day.
1: There's another way of counting on your hand though, isn't there, where you go yeah, with your thumb. Or something like
0: Do you know that, the, the kind of abacus way? Oh
1: wow, using your knuckles.
0: People think you've got some sort of uh, ADHD. But yeah, you just, you're just using a, a very sophisticated calculator. Do you know there's like a huge competition that there was in the 80s and 90s? You know when uh, Japan was doing the calculator, take over the world with calculators and uh, digital watches, kind of? There's a whole kind of aspect of uh, crammer classes for kids in Japan that took on a quite a traditional abacus role. So they would use the swan panel of the abacus to do really, really fast mental calculations. Then they would use the hand movements to represent the abacus. Their brain could start representing... And they could therefore do sums at incredible lightning speed.
1: Well, they didn't need to because they did own the world with calculators, didn't they? Yeah, but then they
0: invented human calculators too. And June coming up. Ah, the Mentats. The Mentats, yes. yeah. But these kids are so, so fast.
1: Answers on a postcard, please, and Paul will send you a prize of some kind.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, it might be bodily fluids, but there you go. Do you know, seagulls do live in our houses sometimes. But they don't like it. Right. Well, so they, they move out. No, they just they don't like it. Don't assume because a seagull lives in your house that they like it.
1: No, no, they're, they're, they're really against their...
0: Against their will. They're, they're squatting against their better judgment because you might put rat poison down, all kinds of things.
1: Uh, do you have a seagull living in your house, Paul?
0: No, but I had a bat living in my house. I didn't realise. Oh, uh, they're endangered. You do not allowed touch I them. didn't touch it. I think I might be in trouble for not touching it. Well, I didn't know. But if I had known and let it die like it did die of natural causes, I might have been in trouble too. I had a bee's nest. I don't think. Giant bee's nest. I don't think
1: you have a responsibility to, to cure them. Oh, okay. Just because they're endangered.
0: I, well, Dracula can't he be cured, can he? He's beyond cure because he floated into Scarborough in a coffin.
1: But, Paul, when you were explaining the movie we were going to watch for this week,
0: Ah, oh, yes. I said. You uh, made
1: a hilarious, complicated <laughs> mistake. <laughs>
0: uh, I did, yes, yes. yes. I, I, I think it's actually called I Remember You.
1: Well, it's actually called Eggman Thig, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is called Eggman Thig, yes.
1: Uh, so, but the English translation, you got all over the place. So much so, you said you re recorded the end of the podcast. I had no involvement in this. <gasps>
0: Well, when I was editing the podcast, I originally said, I remember you. That I carried through the uh, you know the trailer uh, for, what, what does this mean in English? And uh, because there are several movies called I Remember You, and there are even more movies called I Know You, in the Google search, and I just assumed that it was I Know You. So I took it upon myself to edit out all the references to I Remember You throughout <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> And it's obvious <laughs> that I spliced it in because it's something that you should be saying and I, I, I say it for you. So.
1: And for that, you delayed the publication of last week's podcast. By about two days, yeah. Till, yeah, till it was an auspicious day, actually. It was... 20 years ago to the day Sergeant when... Sergeant
0: Oh, no.
1: Did you, do you remember where you were, Paul, on that fateful day? Oh, the, the,
0: the, the, ch- the explosion, 1986, the, the Challenger, was it? 2001. Oh, what the fuck date is it then? It's. The World Trade Center. It's 2021. Oh, where have I been? Okay, uh, I do remember where I was. All right. I do.
1: Americans put the date the wrong way around. You're telling me that other countries use ISO format year, month, day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. Have any complaints that putting the least significant digits at the end is sensible? That's fine. I mean, that that works in many contexts, right? Right, okay. The Americans, though, they choose to put them in the middle. Between.
0: That's crazy. That is crackers. Yes, I mean, either put it in one order or the other order. Don't. I mean, it's like a half-finished bubble sort, isn't it? Anyway, what are we talking about, Rich?
1: We all know that you've been to China. And come and here's by. a question. Have you ever been have you ever been to Iceland?
0: I've been to one of those ice bars. Have you? Where everything's made of ice? Like the tables and the bar and the vodka glasses.
1: Hang on. I think there might be some music coming.
0: ice bar, Paul. Isn't it chilly? It's fucking freezing, yeah. People say, it's okay in there. It's not. It's really cold. I had to get out in about 20 minutes and go back to the buffet. Don't you get piles sitting
1: on a frozen bar stool? Potentially.
0: But I, didn't, I didn't hang around. Like a world buffet? Like a world buffet.
1: And it happened to have like an ice bar in it? It had
0: an ice bar. It also had Nintendo Wii's even in a corner, too. Where was this? At an onsen. In japan somewhere like a giant range a giant range of uh like sauna and spa experience
1: a japanese gay sauna type thing wait
0: it is in city but the ones in out out in the countryside are like you know some sort of uh it's like a mall where you bathe so there you go so i've been in an ice bar i've never been to iceland have you been to iceland Richard?
1: i have yeah they have an excellent range of frozen foods <laughs> <laughs> very good prices and turkey twizzlers
0: whatever Jamie says are not that unhealthy
1: I know it's an old joke but if you don't wheel out the classics one day when Iceland is gone because of online shopping that joke will mean nothing with it people will look at that joke and think what the hell was that? why was that funny
0: you don't think Iceland are going to move successfully to the online space
1: can you deliver frozen food via parcel post
0: you can yeah so, so, I have been to Quicksay, but I've not been ever to Iceland. But have you been to the island of I- Iceland? Beautiful, isn't it?
1: According to this film that we watched.
0: What is the name of the film, by the way?
1: Well, in Icelandic, it's
0: Eggman Thig. Eggman Thig. I had to think about that. <laughs> I know you, yeah? From 2017.
1: No, I remember you. Oh, fuck, I know yes. you is what you kept I'm correcting sorry. yourself to call it last time. <laughs> Yes, Iceland is devastatingly beautiful. Black sand, beaches, volcanoes, Arctic tundra, is it? Free ice bar. And those sweaters that everybody in Scandinavia seems to have, that knitwear. Say again? The sweaters, the knitwear that they have in Scandinavia. Aaron, Aaron, sweatwear. Tundra. No, isn't Aaron the white, really chunky... Yeah, from stuff? Scotland. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, what I'm talking about... I know what the, you mean,
0: the kind of grey ones that have got like, almost like... Uh, Native American patterns in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah, like a feathery kind of stuff at the
0: top. Right. Okay. So you've never actually been to the island of Iceland.
1: It's sort of on my bucket list. You know, it doesn't. Well, it's a bit rural, isn't it? I probably prefer. I mean, would I enjoy going to Reykjavik, and just hanging out? I don't want to be going, not not like where these guys went, where there's no cell phone coverage and it's freezing cold, and there isn't even any sewage system. I definitely don't want to be there. So
0: you don't want to be off grid
1: no way I want to be firmly on the grid but that kind of beauty I'm all on board with that as long as there isn't a volcano erupting and you can't fly out anymore
0: so what's the Icelandic word for cosy comfort that can't be translated into English
1: I don't know I don't know this
0: this is a feature of all Scandinavian languages Uh, we have a word for comfort that doesn't mean comfort
1: this film obviously was in Icelandic I presume yes it's something that sounds a lot like... But
0: I, I, well, I was going to say, I watched it in Old English instead. It sounds very similar, doesn't it? It's, it's like someone reading Chaucer or something. Ah, slow down there. Okay. It, well, it's a little like somebody reading Chaucer, Chaucer, but not very much. It's very like somebody reading Beowulf. It is, essentially. Ah. I mean, Old English and Icelandic, if you go on the, on the language stack overflows... Some people, some Icelandic people say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm reading Beowulf and I can pretty much understand all of it. But I'm listening to Beowulf and I can understand bits of it. So there's a level of mutual comprehension, comprehension between the two languages, which is fascinating, assuming that we know how Old English was pr- pr- pronounced and we generally are fairly confident about that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, very well-preserved form of Norse. I mean, Norwegian, Swedish and Danish have, of course given their continental the continental location and the speakers change somewhat so
1: yeah like, and they go freaking wild with the diacritics don't they like, <laughs> like the,
0: it's like the Galapagos of uh, it's like the Galapagos of, uh, of of languages isn't it it's completely evolved in its own direction kind of thing.
1: Do, you you know the husband guy the younger husband his yeah. name was Garda but the D is like mental in that it's like a Sort of curly D with a, a cross across the top of it.
0: Ah, well that's not a D, is it? That's a, Well, obviously not. That's a voiced th. So the th that we say in the garden. Another one.
1: Like like the thorn. At,
0: the thorn the is pit. like a long P, uh, which in English was later written like a Y. So when you see ye olde tea shop, actually it just means the old tea shop. Interestingly, now the is voiced, but we used to say Th. Okay, the the old tea shop. The old tea shop. Rather like Lancastrians still do, some of them. Well, the older generation.
1: But very difficult to type on a normal keyboard, I would imagine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not as difficult as typing out statistical equations with powers and subscripts and superscripts uh, using Zoom keyboard, (laughs) as I've discovered this week. Anyway, that's beside the point. So yeah, we head off to Iceland for this wonderful movie. I remember you, Eggman, Igman... Igman... I've forgotten that again. Igman no. thick, thick, Eggman Thick, Eggman Thick. Okay, Eggman Thick. I remember you. And we fly off, possibly in a small jet plane, a propeller plane, even to Iceland to land in the the wasteland or oh, the, the, the 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 boondocks. The sticks of Iceland, essentially. We're out in the middle of nowhere, aren't we? But it's it's devastatingly and desolatedly, desolatedly beautiful, isn't it? Well,
1: the thing about this story is it's told in two streams, isn't it? It is, yeah. There's one guy, a doctor, who we meet when he's called upon to, I think, pronounce dead a lady who's hung herself in a church in this perhaps more urban bit of Iceland. Well, not particularly more. And he uh, gets to know the local police detective uh, woman who I, th- I think maybe has the hots for him. She certainly sees him naked at one point and is
0: not complaining. Or the re- given it's Iceland, maybe the relative lack of chills for him.
1: The thing, in Iceland, dating is a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Because everyone is basically related. <laughs>
0: You know, in Iceland... I mean, well, there's 150,000 people in the gene pool. I can't, I, I, I'm not sure they're any more related than we are.
1: It, listen, Paul, in Iceland, you know, the, the phone book is arranged by first name. Because it's pointless doing it by surname. Wow. And there's a special web service in Iceland where, you know, if you meet someone you fancy, you can put the name in. And it will tell you whether or not you're related to them, and how closely.
0: <laughs> that is that is that is very useful. Um, so uh, the other thing is that you're not allowed to name yourself anything in Iceland. You can't name yourself like Harmony Korine or Beyonce.
1: What what did um, what did our favorite e- Elon Musk call his his oh, I don't know. Twenty four B slash. B
0: or something aren't yes it? you can't call yourself 24b/ <laughs> slash B for example <laughs> who stops you it, the stop naming you? board they have a naming board you can only call yourself real Icelandic words
1: what was the blonde girl called leaf uh, leaf
0: yes so this is the second plot line okay there's a married couple Catherine uh, and Garver yeah who are kind of like semi they, they're just recovering from a tiff yeah and they come along with katrine the female's best friend, Lif, and they're moving out into the middle of what in Scotland would be uh, an old croft,, yeah? an abandoned hamlet or an abandoned village of some sort.'
1: It's like an abandoned uh, fishing village, isn't it? There's an yeah. old
0: whaling station there.: apparently. That's right, yeah. yeah.. Okay. And they're coming there with the hipster idea of turning it all into a cute and quainty little bed and breakfast, yeah. So they come in with lots of renovatory ideas and,
1: and a septic tank. Because they're not connected, not connected to the sewage system, which to me is a disaster. I mean I mean, what do you do, Paul? I'll ask you this question. If you have a septic tank and you're not on the sewage line, mm-hmm. what do you do when the septic tank is full?
0: If you're not too discerning, you might stick it on the back of the pickup and pour it down the drains. <laughs>
1: There are no I mean, drains. If there were drains, you wouldn't need to be on a septic tank, would you? You'd connect up to the...
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd throw it in the sea? Isn't or... <laughs> the point about a septic tank is it helps it decompose slowly. So it treat, it's treated at some point, yeah? You can just pour it away. The slurry.
1: How do you pour it away? It's a massive thing that they're going to bury in the ground, isn't it? It's
0: big as well. You're not going to be digging that no, up it's, because... it's not a time capsule, it's a septic tank. I mean... I mean, the whole point what do you do with it when they're full? Human waste. Human waste, we can't safely spread on fields. I don't know why. People do. I think you do.
1: I think they can. No,
0: no. Once it's dried out and treated, you can do. And you know it's oh, human no. okay. stuff because it has that particular smell. Yeah. That uh, it's come from the, from the sewage works. Uh, whereas dried out dusty cow pats, you know, has a little bit of the country, country tang to it. But not much. <laughs> not much. Whereas the stuff, if you live in the countryside, you get that huge... Pungent fruity smell coming through the window twenty four seven. That's, you know, treated human waste that's now been safe to spread. But generally I don't understand why human waste isn't safe to spread, because other animal muck is. I think is it because of our diet or
1: well I guess it's
0: because of disease,
1: isn't it, presumably?
0: But why it doesn't other be... fecal matter spread disease like human stuff?
1: Presumably
0: it's it does bacteria that us. wouldn't
1: that wouldn't Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Ah, okay. Because it's our stuff, therefore it hurts us kind of stuff around. So I think so. Presuming that might apply for other animals too. Anyway, so so yes, so you have a septic tank. And, you still uh, fail
1: to explain what you do when your septic tank fills I up. I try to oh. avoid that question, uh, Is it that the septic tank is so big that it's just a far-off problem? I mean, do you just move your house? it's housing? not a
0: time capsule. Richard. The whole point about a septic tank is, you know, it processes the waste It is safe...
1: And then what? And then what do you and and then what do? You 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 do? Can
0: extract the waste and... How? And... and, and Put it on your fallow fields, Kevin.
1: Of. How do you get it
0: out? How do you get it out of an RV? How do you get it out of a uh, camp, uh, camper home, whatever you call it?
1: Oh, well, that's easy. You drive your RV to like a effluent extraction point. You get a big tube. a pipe. Yeah. And they suck it out of your little suck tank. Out, yeah. I say that's easy. It's not something I want to do, but that's what they do. But, but they're really in the middle of nowhere, Paul. There's no road there. They didn't drive there. They've got a little boat there.
0: Well, let's better practice some siphoning then, eh? I, I'm just baffled by it. This is why I wouldn't want to live there. Would the killing of views not do it for you?
1: The killer views. Sorry, the killer views. <laughs> killing of views. Uh No, it wouldn't really compensate if I had to shovel my own manure out of a hole in the ground every six months. I don't know how long that septic tank takes to fill up. I mean, it was very big. I imagine just one person... Could last you a lifetime, that tank. But if you're operating a guest house, could fill up in no time at all.
0: Well, I've just, I've just Googled it. You're recommended to empty a septic tank once every three to five years, whether or not it's full.
1: <laughs> whether or not you need it. You but empty it where? <laughs> I guess you just get another septic tank. That's what I'd do. Just get another one. Empty it from one to the other if you have to. Listen, Paul, if you want to live off-grid, you're going to have to get the hang of this stuff. I'm doing you a favour by asking you these searching questions.
0: Even the sewage treatment septic tanks do need emptying. Uh, the solids don't go away, apparently.
1: Well, of course they don't. It's you, the well, law you think of conservation of think, think, poop, isn't well, it? Well, no, I
0: think well, it's the <laughs> idea that they're metabolised somehow by, by the cool bacteria and it all, somehow it goes away.
1: It's all vaporised by... Bacteria is that what you're trying to not,
0: say? Not from what I'm reading here, it doesn't go away. So
1: no, no, Paul. That's not really surprising to me. Anyway,
0: so once they've emptied it, once they've emptied it, then you can spread it on the fields. Yeah, that's that's the idea, I think.
1: So this place that they're moving into to make a guest house, of yes, is really old and run down. They go in there. Someone says, I think it's the the fisher guy or the boat guy who brought them. He says, "Oh, the wood's rotten." And one of them knocks on the wood and says, "No, it's not." As if knocking on wood is how you tell whether it's rotten, or <laughs> any of them have any clue whether wood is rotten or not.
0: Well, it's like it's like it's, it's I mean, you can preserve anything up there, like herring, can't you? Just pack it on us. so the wood's the same. It doesn't rot up there, does it?
1: But it's, it's like the kind of thing an estate agent would say, isn't it? You, you know, you say, "Is, it, is this wood a bit rotten possibly?" And they'll just go,
0: "Nah, no, nah, it's fine." No. What's the management fee on this? Uh, I don't know, but look at that architrave Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> We've all met that estate agent. In fact, I'm sure that Bob Mortimer did a really good, did a really good skit of these guys. Yeah.
1: So what's the story with these people? There's a clear sexual tension going on, isn't there?
0: Well, as we later late to wife. find out, yeah. Th- there's been some infidelity. So, uh, But we don't Goth- know that
1: at the start. Gotham. But early on...
0: We suspect that something's think, gone wrong.
1: I think on the first night, they're all bedded down in the same room. Because there's no heating and stuff, is there? It's a run-down place. Yeah. yeah. She's Catherine, is it? She's with her husband. Leaf is away in another sleeping bag a little bit away. Catherine wants to have sex with her husband. And she checks that Leaf is asleep by saying, Hey, Leif, are you awake? I'm going to have sex with my husband, relatively loudly. And then she shags him. And, of course, Leif is lying there with her eyes wide open. He is peeled.
0: Sleep. Yes. Ah. Oh. We later find out, plot spoiler, that uh, the infidelity that Gartha has uh, has committed has been shock horror with Catherine's best friend, Leif. Oh, my God. So it's a bizarre love triangle. Uh, poor, poor, poor everybody in this. And, and uh,
1: she's pregnant, Paul.
0: And, yeah, Leif is pregnant with his child. So. so, yeah. But that's not what the movie's about, ostensibly. Uh, ostensibly, the next day, or pretty soon after they've moved into this uh, to this uh, little shack, Catherine uh, heads out and she heads to the cemetery and discovers a headstone with no name. Yeah,
1: no, oh, no, that's not true. She she goes to the cemetery and there's a a hole where a headstone would have been.
0: Oh, okay, so there's a missing headstone. I'm sorry.
1: And then later, she finds in a stream a headstone. It's actually a wooden cross, isn't it? I think. But there's a headstone in a stream with a name on it.
0: And pretty soon after that, she starts seeing ghosts. Now, how does she find out that the ghost is called Bernodis?
1: I couldn't <laughs> tell the difference between all the different blonde Icelandic kids, <laughs> one of whom, one of whom called Benny, I think, was the doctor's son who disappeared, and right. the other, I think, was the ghost Bernodis. But I couldn't tell you which one was which, or why. Okay. It was very confusing to me. Well, later
0: we discover that Bernoldus has got lots of crosses hacked out of the skin on his back.
1: Yeah. So when we get, they all do. The the lady who the doctor found hanging in the church, she had that too.
0: So you're right. The doctor, Freight, is it called? His son Benny has gone missing. Yeah, it's gone missing. Wow. Okay. And of course he's obsessed with this, and you know, tracking his last movements and that kind of thing. Tracking down the CCTV, talking to people around town. It's not a big town. It's just bloody Reykjavik. So, so he's obsessed with this, and try, you know he's he's accepted his son is gone, but he needs to find out how most likely his son died, kind of thing. So these are the two storylines, and they appear to be running consecutively, but plot spoiler, they're not.
1: And there's this female cop who he meets, and she's got a right wet on for him, as far as I can tell. Yeah, what's her name? I forgot it. But she goes to she goes to his house. She's quite forward, isn't she? Like she Does she invite herself in for coffee?
0: She does, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe that's just an Icelandic hospitality. I guess it's cold standing outside in the doorway, on the doorstep talking. But she goes in, she sees him getting changed, sees his naked ass, uh, but then she stumbles into like his dead kid's mausoleum in the house, which probably makes her feel a bit uncomfortable. Would kill the mood, anyway. But she... she I think she goes up to his house because she was... No, he invites her for a run. And she says something which I found, I, you know, I felt very much myself, which is there's nothing more boring than running around in circles.
0: Which I've... Wow. So you, you, you're not a fan of exercise for exercise's sake?
1: No, no. It's, it's too dull. I need to occupy my mind,
0: Paul. And a podcast can't do that while you're running?
1: I suppose so. Oh.
0: Is it running or is it other sports as well?
1: Well, lifting weights, boring. Uh, what <laughs>
0: Be careful, Richard, because you're about to take all meaning away from my life, okay? (laughs) Just tread carefully. If you want to do this, continue. But if you're not doing this intentionally, I recommend that you don't.
1: Listen, I can understand a competitive sport like tennis, Paul. I can understand why. No, it's
0: not. You see, it's not about the competition. Oh, you say that. No, 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 no. I think people assume that because athletes enjoy competitive elements to the sport, therefore they're competitive. Competitive people don't like losing. Yeah, so can many people are like you, Richard, who resent the competition in sport.
1: <laughs> uh, so you play tennis
0: because you're cool with being beaten by by middle aged ladies. It's a learning opportunity. <laughs> hey, you can hurt the man, Richard. I'll say this much. Okay, be careful. <laughs> careful with your sharp tongue. Look, it happened to me the night I lost to. She's seventy five and she's really good. But we were playing in twilight, and that's my excuse. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so. I thrashed her three three love the the day before. I'm
1: sure her very focals helped immensely with deep the twilight lighting. Linda, if you're listening,
0: I love your perm, and I'll see you at the cafe cafe, uh, on on Saturday, okay? Uh, So, (laughs) hey, everybody grabs a granny these days. Look, we're getting beyond age, Richard. Don't bring age into it. She's beautiful and lovely as she is, okay? She's got a cracking serve, no doubt. Yeah, she's cracking. I'm oh, sorry, nothing. I'm not going to say what I was going to say.
1: Did she serve up an ace or two?
0: Yeah, she serves it like an axe. No, I, it is an opportunity to learn, particularly when you when you face somebody who serves really fast. It's a great opportunity, you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Showing sure, those those milliseconds you get to watch the ball whiz past you, you probably take a lot in about the serve.
0: Well, better they whiz past you and hit you on the hit you on the shin. When you, when you switch on the tennis machine, it serves at a pace that you can't reply. You don't resent the tennis machine, do you? you know? So you shouldn't <laughs> see your opponent in those terms. You shouldn't see I, your opponent. I as... don't
1: know, Paul. I think you probably do resent the tennis machine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I talk to the tennis machine, but that's beside the point. Look, uh, no, so you're not a fan of jogging late at night. Do you not think... I, I don't understand how jogging at night, you know, with a friend, talking and drinking... Some healthy healthy electrolyte juice is different from sitting in a bar with a friend late at night and, and talking and drinking some coffee or some beer.
1: Jogging is high impact, Paul. It plays havoc with your joints. You can't say that about sitting in a pub, can you? I, I thought jogging had, had its day. Cycling
0: yes. is what it's all about nowadays, Paul. What about 10-pin bowling? Is that, can, is that entertainment, relaxation and exercise married in a, in a, in a, in a, in a secret sauce for you or not?
1: I don't think it's exercise, is it though? Oh, oh! Like dance is. isn't really
0: exercise. Yeah, there's a bit of difference between rolling a fourteen-kilogram ball <laughs> and, and throwing a twenty-five-gram <laughs> arrow, for it shows, isn't there? If you say so.
1: Well, I've got the squeaky chair today.
0: Look, okay. So he goes running. She says our oh, running is boring, and you concur with her. And then they kind of don't have it get it on. They nearly get it on, or they do get it on. I I, was, I wasn't really watching if they had sex or not.
1: No, they, I don't believe they did at that stage. In fact, I'm not sure they ever did. Although they did. drink a lot of coffee.
0: You know, yeah. And they make a personal connection.
1: <laughs> yes. So. Meanwhile, in the other storyline, which, by the way, we later discover is not contemporaneous. It's actually a few years earlier, isn't it? Mm-hmm as we'd learn later on. Which I suppose is, in a way, one of the twists. I, I think one of them is talking about... Do they start seeing, like, figures or ghosts or something?
0: Well, yeah, they, they, they start seeing, presumably, Bonotus, don't they? The three in the cottage. And, uh, and one of them gets locked... One of them falls from the attic, breaks her ankle, and then explores... Gets left on her own because she can't leave the home. And then explores the basement and gets locked in that too and terrorised by by a demon, a child demon. Is that not right?
1: Well, she finds a corpse, a child's corpse, as it turns out, in in the basement. But it's when she comes back from the cemetery, having found that cross and the empty, you know, the missing tombstone, head headstone. Um, And she talks, I think, about thinking she saw something, and I think it's Garda, her husband, says something about, you know, you were in the cemetery, maybe it was ghosts. But I don't know why would ghosts haunt a cemetery, because the thing about a cemetery is there never was anyone alive there, right? I mean, like ghosts are supposed to haunt like where they were.
0: Well, the major, the major, the major tenet of this movie is that ghosts are people stuck between two worlds who, you know, have been shut out of their being on either side. Uh, and is it a a temporary a temporary hiatus of existence you see oh that's what it is yeah so they might be going back to the to the where they should be dead or they might be going back to where they were once alive but Mm Catherine unfortunately very much looks like Bernadette's mother the little boy or the the ghost of the boy that she keeps seeing oh
1: yeah because she finds a corpse
0: his corpse, you see. And so Bernardo is, is trying to connect through back to life, which you can never return to through
1: her. This when when she idea. finds the corpse, it's clutching a photograph and it looks
0: pretty much just like, like her, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's his mother, presumably.
1: But, you see, I didn't really make that connection. I just assumed it's because, like, you know, a lot of Icelandic a lot of Icelandic people look similar because they're all related. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but I think this is the central idea, you know, the thrust of the movie is, you know... She has somehow to free this boy uh, from his purgatory and then he will leave her alone. But she, I mean she's terrorized by him. And we later find out on the other side of the argument from uh, Freight, the investigating doctor and his sort of girlfriend, she called Dagny. So they've you know they've they've discovered Bernard Bernardus's backstory, and he was a horribly bullied child, bullied by everybody in his class. Yeah. And mm. guess what? All these elderly senile people popping their clogs in mysterious circumstances—they're all his former classmates.
1: Classmates, yeah. And he's getting revenge. He's oh getting
0: god—some sort of supernatural revenge because, uh, you know, he's there, there's a there's a case file for him from the fifties or sixties where you know there are photos of him with huge crosses, huge chunks of meat cut out, as, you know, Christian crosses from his from the, from his back, presumably by his, by his uncaring and callous parents. You know, but at the same time, he's horribly bullied at school by his classmates. And as each time these, these dead classmates are discovered, often dead by their own hand, or there's a suicide note indicating that was the case. However, they've got chunks of flesh out their backs too, in the shape of crosses. So we can only assume it's it's Bernardus doing his supernatural stuff.
1: Paul, you're demystifying this film before my very ears here. This um. is amazing. I must admit, I didn't really follow this... No, Story it's not the that. kind of thing
0: you can switch on at nine for a few beers and say, oh, you know, I'll just we'll watch this. And you can't really miss any of it in order for it to make sense. Yeah,
1: That's why you said you were going to go back and watch bits again.
0: Yes, exactly. It's not like an Eddie Murphy movie. You know. <laughs> you can safely sit through Eddie Murphy movies and pretty much follow everything that's going on without... There was one guy that they found dead and
1: the police guys or whoever's investigating said, we think he Drank Dog Remover. At least that's what the the subtitle said.
0: Well, it's the kind of place where you can preserve herring. So, you know, if you've got an ice dog up there, it will stick around. (laughs) This is Iceland, you see. Different market for products over there. QVC should investigate it. There's a huge market of 100,000 people to be tapped.
1: Now, meanwhile, the young couple on the distant remote bit.
0: They discovered their friend locked in the basement. Isn't that right? That's right. They're not very compassionate, though, are they? Yeah, yeah.
1: She's freaking out, isn't she? She says she can't stay there anymore. She's saying wow. it's too scary for her. She has to get out. I think they go and stay in another little...
0: She freaks out and she runs to the top of the hill, doesn't she, with a limpy leg because she's bowled down the cellar stairs.
1: Well, the top of the hill is the only place they were told they might be able to get cell phone reception. But it's not... Even then, it's not reliable.
0: Now, at what point does he reveal to his his wife, girlfriend, that he's been shagging the other girl. It all comes out somehow, doesn't it? It does. I think he tells her at some stage. There's a text message that confirms it, though, isn't there? (gasps) It's the phone!
1: The phone. And that, that happens after Garda and Liv go off and they go down to this derelict whaling station with a chimney. I think they saw a figure go down there. They assume that it's Catherine, but I think Catherine is hiding or... Lying in the in the cellar, isn't she? She goes down and lies by that corpse and you see the boy kind of alive with dead Why eyes. Why did she go down
0: there again though?
1: Isn't that after he told her that he'd shagged Leaf and she took took it very badly.
0: <sighs> okay. So she's headed down there. They've gone to look for her. There's an abandoned mine of some sort, it's not tin. A whaling it's station. A... Oh it's a whaling station. It's a whaling mine. Okay. Uh, It's like a treacle mine, but with whales. Yeah. They've had it down there, and of course, there's lots of unsecured, large architectural structures down there, i.e. buildings, Uh, that kind of thing. And it all collapses in on them. they die. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is very appropriate for the uh, 9-11 edition. But yes, the chimney... Falls down and crushes Garda and leaves Leaf. She's not dead actually at that point. Oh, she's not now. Yeah. But she's critically wounded. Poor thing. Catherine finds them. I think she sees that the chimney has collapsed from the from the, the old building they were doing up, and she runs down there. She finds Leaf, and she can't really help her. She can't move her. I think she's worried her neck is broken, but she does see her phone. And so she runs up runs up the mountain to try and get signal. And as soon as she gets up there, um the phone just I think she gets a connection, but the phone is active and she reads the messages between her husband That's and That's right, youth. yeah. Okay. So she's and already found out about them. What yeah. it is is a series. Yeah, it's confirming what she already knew. But I'm having what a she, baby. What she didn't know is that, that she's pregnant. She's sending an ultrasound, isn't Leaf is sending an ultrasound to Garda. And saying, you know, when are you going to tell her, kind of thing. Oh,
0: the duplicity! Wow. Okay, so that all explodes, and of course, she dies of hypothermia up on the mountain. Uh, later, all this is to be recorded. No, she
1: She does not die. Leaf dies because she can't. I don't think she can get through anyway. She goes back to the old house, doesn't she?
0: And dies down there. Yeah. You
1: know? She leaves the phone on the top of the hill. And I think we infer that she dies of hypothermia. She goes back to the house. She left her coat on top of leaf. And she's only got her stylish Scandinavian jumper on.
0: That's right. She must die somewhere because she was never found. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they say she was never found.
0: But, okay, so all this becomes a case file. This has all happened several years before. Yes. Now, so, of course, there's no reason for Freight or Dagny to connect this to, to, to Freight's son's disappearance.
1: Nor, no us either. I think
0: <laughs> there's no reason to connect this to Freight's son Benny's disappearance. For either Dagny or Freight, you know, there's no reason to suspect it. Okay, it's a closed. Nor the view. no viewer. Nor the viewer. Yes, that's the problem I think with this movie. However, at some point, one of Benny's classmates uh, has some sort of special ability, whilst having uh, being on as being Asperger's or on the autistic spectrum. Yeah. he has visions. And oh, so the clairvoyant. Yeah. The clairvoyant, yeah. Or the idiot savant, however you want to view it. So he says that Benny is inside a green submarine. And nobody connects anything. Until, of course, uh, Freight and Dagny are trawling over the last sightings of his son and the CCTV. And uh, they see our three protagonists. that's uh, Garda
1: and Leif and Catherine.
0: So, so they see CCTV footage of Garda, Catherine, and Leaf checking in to a, a, a gas station, paying for something, and heading out to the to the to the to their pickup with a septic tank on the back. And this is the last place that Benny has been seen. And suddenly, there's insight and a moment, a light, moment of light bulbism, and they think, "Wow, the green submarine is you know this Charles' way of representing the septic tank." So immediately, they suggest. He's a 12-year-old playing hide-and-seek. He's jumped in the back of the septic tank to hide a little bit too well. Uh, And uh, they think that's where he's met his uh, somewhat shitty end. So there we go, Rich.
1: And, of course, the policeman and his cop friend, they go over there. They open the septic tank. They have a look inside. It plays out about as slowly as this. (laughs) <laughs> the doctor has, like, inside. We all infer from what they what they look like that it probably is his kid in there. And not just a giant turd, say. And, and yes, yeah, so there we are. He's finally found his boy. And, and as they're walking away, there's a, a shot looking back at them leaving this abandoned building. And you see... I think it's Catherine looking out of one of the top windows.
0: Yeah, with Bonotas, I think.
1: Now, he's down on the ground, looking back the other way. All very confusing. Was that was that Benny? No, that was Bernodos, that was yeah. Benny,
0: yeah. So we think Benny has gone uh, because They're all the same. he has been appearing in his blue jacket to his father and to other people. Maybe Dagny as well, I can't remember. He's been appearing as an unsettled ghost too. But I think we are led to infer that he has been led away to a happy death or a satisfied death. But Bernodos and now Catherine remain... Stuck in in a sudden and unhappy death in this in this in this hinterland in this uh, purgatory of between between life and death, which is ghosthood. Yeah. So I I think it's an idea that somehow ghosts have the power to draw other people in and uh, get them to touch the magic elephant stone, and somehow somebody else gets infected with their unhappiness and they can leave, kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of like piggy in the middle; somebody has to replace it. Before you can go, kind of thing. Maybe he's being suggested here, hmm. or maybe not, because it's very difficult to follow. Now, I have to admit, I didn't really get all this until I watched it again. So,
1: oh gosh, you can watch it as many times as you like within forty-eight hours. You
0: can, yeah, yeah.
1: It's that what you were taking advantage of? But also, Let's I discovered
0: it's also on BBC Two. What? I discovered this because I searched for another movie I was gonna suggest for next week and found oh I'll search for them all and a lot of these are actually on BBC two or BBC four, so so yeah.
1: Paul I paid for this in H D again. <laughs> <laughs> now was
0: it worth watching in H D Richard?
1: Yeah, I mean Iceland is properly beautiful, isn't it?
0: Did you see any top geezers? Top geezers.
1: No but Leaf is very attractive.
0: Oh, okay, so so in H D you could you could you could see the attractiveness of Icelandic ladies? Yeah, I guess so. So I was always assuming that, like, like Bjork has these strange, strange, ethereal look to her. I was assuming that was Inuit heritage, but you're saying it's because they're inbred.
1: <laughs> I, was there, I was assuming
0: that the Scandinavians mixed with a little bit of seal hunters. Yeah, and that's why you got like the, you know, just the. The alluring eyelashes and whatnot of Bjork, but you're saying it's because they're little they're little people on the happy bus.
1: <laughs> I'm it? not trying to make any demographic and genetic claims. It sounds about like you friend. are in <laughs> Listen, and I mean this in the most affectionate
0: way possible. Iceland yeah, yeah. is
1: kind of kinda of weird, isn't it? It's a weird
0: place. It yeah. is. It's it's the Madagascar, it's the Galapagos Islands of the North. It's stuck yeah. out there on its own. Whoa. I mean, how they got there, the seafaring involved, is just just so worthy of admiration, I think. And, you know,
1: we knew that things were going to go badly for them, because in that run-down house, there was a whole load of horseshoes on the wall, and they were all upside down. Yes. And as we well know, if a horseshoe is upside down, all the good luck runs out of it
0: now Richard you are a committed rationalist you're not a cynic but you are a sceptic so do you think if you went to Iceland and the loneliness and the desolation there, do you think you would be infected with this kind of uh, fatalist superstition or not would, would the would the eeriness of the place get to you or not
1: I'd like to think I would maintain my detachment and rational- easier said
0: than done oh, how dare you well listen okay I was in Spain uh, oh. On of, one of my first holidays without my family, because we had a holiday home.
1: I see the isolation got to you. No, listen, this is it's let story play out. Okay, not
0: bedded door. Okay, it was <laughs> less. <laughs> it was it was Les next to Lescala You know, uh, on the Costa Brava, just up from Barcelona, a very classy, classy resort. I think you're wrong, Richard. When, when like, when my aunt bought and my mother bought this in the sixties. Uh, the kind of people that bought houses out there weren't, weren't weren't the timeshare kind of people, Richard. Okay. Anyway, so so no, it's not the great Yarmouth of Spain, Richard. It's not the Blackpool of Spain. <laughs> it's a nice, it's nonetheless. A really, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice. It's a very nice resort, uh, and there are genuine Roman remains uh, uh, just down the road, uh, and Salvador Dali's home just down the road in Figueres. Okay. Pretty much, there was a villa, and I went there with a couple of friends who weren't school friends, they were sports club friends, Richard. Okay, used to play sport, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, 16 <laughs> and out there having a good time, we met a big black man on the beach, presumably he was from Morocco. He sold me a statue of Buddha, which apparently you're not supposed to buy statues of Buddha if you're a Buddhist, but I'm not a Buddhist, so it's okay. Uh, and you're not supposed to rub them tubbies, and I rubbed his tummy. Uh, and we also bought <laughs> lots of uh, t- lots of Tibetan black, you know, lots of uh, hashish that was infused with Tibetan opium. Anyway, oh, cool. so, I, well, I didn't do that, you know. I was a very committed swimmer. Uh, my two friends were also very, very good swimmers, but they liked to roll with the punches of society a little bit more. They are the kind of boys that might spend all day in a pool hall. Back, the, back in the days when, you know, sports bars and pool halls were the kind of place you wanted to hang out. Uh... That kind of thing. So little did I know that it was they, they baked it into the pine. We, we ate this huge amount of uh, really quite strong narcotics. And within about within about an hour, yeah, I, I was thinking there were gnomes in the chimney to the extent I climbed up the chimney to find out. So you say that being alone in a strange environment doesn't affect you, but I mean, Richard, I would like to see if your mind is stronger. Then, uh, the principles of your mind are stronger than, uh, than the sun and the wind. Yeah, We well, you know... I'm I sure Aesop would have to say something about this. He'd be taking your clothes off in no time and running into jumping and in, skinny dipping into the pool without sun or wind.
1: Somewhere above 5% of modern day Icelanders still believe in elves... The hidden folk, they're seeing the fairies of
0: the bottom garden. Interestingly, of course, Iceland is the first country maybe to make religious belief a, a form of insanity. Wow, it's on the cards, or it's on it's on the legislative cards, I think. Yeah, so this could be a, a new form of Aesop's ta- fables. Yeah, we could, we could. Uh, what's the ITV show where they all try to get off with each other? Love Island. Love Island. Yeah, the Love, yeah. I, uh, Love Island version of Aesop's Fables. Watch it tonight as Ricky faces the sun and the wind and chocolate bar- brownies and see if he skinny jim- skinny jumps in the pool kind of thing. Listen, Paul. I didn't I skinny jump. Of... I didn't skinny j- skinny dip in the pool. What did I say? Skinny jump. I didn't skinny dip in the pool because of the excessive amount of chocolate brownies that I did eat. But I was convinced. <laughs> I was convinced there were all kinds of things crawling up in the chimney. Yeah interestingly, we got burgled two days later. And then, uh, strangely, a friend, I think is a mutual acquaintance of yours, Gavin, uh, had a villa maybe three or four miles down the road. I think he was in Escala and I was in Leicestershire. team. And I went on the holiday with him and the boys about two years later. And we did get burgled there with people climbing down the chimney. Climbing down the chimney? How can that... You can not climb down a chimney. Because, you know, it was kind of a bit of a classy part of Spain uh, where they kind of build those big, wide chimneys in stone. Do you know, like, the stone-cladding Jack Duckworth having his house in Coronation Street? Yeah. On yeah. the okay. outside of the of the outside building, they've got, like, a, a chimney for your barbecue. And on the inside, there's a huge chimney for for the inside of the home for, for winter where well, you don't actually need it, but it's there anyway. And it's done in those kind of... Ingle Nook fireplace, but with a kind of terracotta vibe to it all. You know, the kind of Ingle Nook fireplace you see in in a 70s pub in England that still has the booths. like that, but Spanish style.
1: I think this is the Spanish not understanding a chimney, because... It's just a huge hole, yeah. yeah, You know, a proper chimney is a flue, isn't it? It's a narrow pipe. Yes. It may be encased in a bigger chimney breast type thing, which is much bigger than the pipe. It's not just, like, a, an empty space that goes no.
0: up. No! No, like, in Spain, like, you've got these sort of plaster walls, and you've got a huge, like, uh, huge amounts of, like, real stone, and it's, like, three foot by two foot deep. It's a huge hole. <laughs> it's just, like, a huge hole that goes up to the ceiling, so, of course, people can climb down it.
1: I suppose they're hoping Santa Claus will come into it. It's the only possible real purpose for a chimney in Spain, isn't it?
0: So anyway, to summarise, I remember you. It was two different timelines. And the events of the bizarre love triangle and Benny disappearing was happening several years previous to the doctor trying to find out what had happened to his son. Is that right, Richard? And the green
1: submarine... Was a sewage tank, septic tank. The little
0: boy. And none of this was clear until about 85 or 95 minutes into the movie once you watch it again.
1: Well, I'll tell you, when the movie started and we see them taking that green septic tank on the boat, I wrote down green septic tank. It was the first thing I wrote about this film. So it was obvious that it was important. They were going to do something with it. Ah. So it, it didn't really surprise me in that
0: way. When was there a septic tank on a boat?
1: Right at the beginning. When they're all on the boat, oh, the three of them.
0: Presumably they'd arrived and couldn't go any further, so they'd taken the septic tank off the pickup and put it on the boat. Is that right? On the boat, yeah, that's right. Uh, I wasn't watching that carefully. You should well, be a detective inspector, Richard. You're very good at
1: yeah, I can solve any film-based murder. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So, as long as the suspect is one of the characters at the start, I'm sorted. That's my problem. So, I did tell you one thing from last week. I said this movie in some way resembles the movie Magnolia. Did you, by chance, take some time to look at Magnolia?
1: I did not see Magnolia.
0: Oh, okay. I think there are some similarities. Maybe we'll wait till Richard's watched that to discuss if there are. It was
1: things. also similar to the Let the Right One In, the Scandinavian vampire thing.
0: It bit. was. Didn't, yes, I did feel some vibes connecting the two, Yeah, but I'm not sure how. Yeah, And also quite muted, quite yes. a, a muted kind of emotional tapestry, I guess.
1: It's also the supernatural elements uh, delivered quite deadpan, as a matter of fact. in I think in an American or British...
0: We'd all be screaming, yeah. City,
1: well, they'd have creepy music, wouldn't they? And it would all be done really... That's it, yeah. It'd be camp in a way whereas this although there are some special effects and there are some like you know prosthetics and stuff very grounded just,
0: yes it's very grounded it's, yeah it's
1: just yeah it's matter of fact yeah
0: very matter of fact very grounded very muted all those kind of words to describe that okay uh, there isn't much razzmatazz in the presentation, presentation. Uh, very hiki or very cosy I guess you know is what some Scandinavians might call it so yeah <laughs> So I think we described this storyline. It's taken a fucking while to get through. Uh, I find it troublesome, really, following this. I don't know how you felt about it.
1: Yeah, I, I did too. I did. I didn't really... I lost my way. I would have had to watch watched bits of it again like
0: you did. Paul notes. Um, the torturous plotline is a problem for Richard in this movie, but not for Tenet, apparently. <laughs> Completely different, Paul. Completely. <laughs> Come different. on. That's because you're not a fan of supernaturalism, but you are a fan of... Uh, Scientism. Impossible yeah. physics, yeah.
1: <laughs> go figure. Yes, that's
0: true. Go, go figure. figure. <laughs> well, go figure, you know. You choose your poison, I guess, don't you?
1: Look. It's an old-fashioned ghost story, Paul. It's, it is. It's like, you know, being in a tent in the darkness and hot shining a torch up. I know, chin.
0: but Richard, we've had the resurgence of sea shanties, and so I think we should have the resurgence of... Good old-fashioned ghost stories. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Okay, let's get to scoring, if that's okay. Well, not so let's do acting wow well I thought the acting was good you could really ask more of the boys to do you know to be scarier sort of little hovering frail pale things they did a great job as ghosts uh, first thing to say Uh, I didn't really get the doctor and the policeman their sexual frisson attention but that's Paul she looks at his naked ass she does she's she yep. basically licked her lips. So everything was rather underplayed, as you said. Everything was very, very grounded. Uh, the acting in particular uh, from from those two. Uh, would, I, would I have wanted more from them? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I have come to expect a bit of Hollywood. When there was tension, there was tension. When there was terror, there was terror. Uh and uh, it all seemed to fit into place for me. What did you think? So I'll
1: bid you a seven, Paul. What
0: do you bid? You can kind of agree with that. Yeah? It, was, it was all in place, the acting. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going to go eight.
1: There was plenty of looking out wistfully under bodies of water. <laughs> Black sand
0: beaches. Or... Point, but if you want that, you can go to Scotland much more cheaply. Do you know what I mean? Scotland is stunning.
1: I don't think you can go to Scotland. Are we not on the red list for Scotland? <sighs> I don't know. Ooh, maybe. Probably, installing the border guards as we speak. So, what about? It's it's a horror movie, so we have to it do is. scary jump factory jump stuff. Jump factory, yeah, yeah. Did
0: this movie scare you Paul Skin didn't crawl, bumps didn't goose. Uh, <laughs> berries were occasionally razzed it, it it did hold my attention. I, I was kind of expecting uh, Bernotas to be a little more violent and nasty i didn't really buy as you say into the whole traditional supernatural thing that was going on here so did it did not really deliver a level of terror or shock or surprise that i wanted so i'm going to go for a, a, a pootling 5 how about you
1: yeah it didn't really i didn't really feel scared except as i say i would have been scared to have been there not on a cell phone network without the internet Scarry, with a scary sewage yeah. connection being disconnected that way, that's terrifying. For that, I'll give it a five.
0: A five, wow, we seem to agree. Now, how about the plotline? Hmm.
1: Let's say that like the two storylines and the way it turns out that one is previous to the other is mildly interesting, isn't it? Yeah. This reminded me a bit as well of the German time travel sci-fi series Dark. Whoa. Which is all about guys looking for the sons who disappeared when really they went back in time and stuff like that. Wow. But again, ultimately it's just a ghost story.
0: You've opened a portal of uh, Netflix here, Dark. Okay. I will check that out. Sorry to interrupt. You're saying it's just what? It's
1: just a ghost story.
0: It is. Traditional ghost story, yeah.
1: I suppose there's that revenge element, but I didn't pick up on that. I didn't till you told me about it a moment ago I didn't get it. So I've I've got to go five here, I think.
0: So for me, it wasn't clear that we, that they needed to square a circle and put Bonotas to rest happily. Yeah, and that didn't become apparent too late in the movie. Okay. Uh, it would have been better as just a really traditional ghost story without the multi-threaded timelines that we weren't aware of at different times. I have discovered that later, really. The dissonance there really, you know, took me off kilter in terms of viewing pleasure. Uh, and I don't think that kind of really added to anything. It was just a little bit too confusing, all of it. So I'm going to score quite a low four on this. don't know what you said.
1: I think I said five, didn't I? Yeah. I think it was. this was a weak area of it, definitely. Weak area,
0: definitely. When we get to our final category, can I arbitrarily introduce National Geographic? How sweeping and how swooning were the vistas that we experienced in high definition here? Altogether, Richard, did it Did it, Did it? it bump your gooses?
1: Look, I mean, in, you're using Iceland as your backdrop. But on the other hand... We didn't get any glaciers and volcanoes, did we? No,
0: or no geysers too.
1: So, I mean, in a sense, as you said, this was just a little bit like Scottish Highlands, wasn't it? Yeah. Humdrum in a way. So, a nice location, but maybe not not using it to its best. So I'll give it a six. Six? Oh, The derelict whaling station was pretty atmospheric. And it was nice the way they made that collapse. I wonder how they did that. Bit of CGI, maybe.
0: So for all those visuals and special effects and the the swooning vistas, I'm, I agree with what you say, but I'm still going to score it a nine because it was just impressive. Woof. Yeah, okay, and I got the feels. You know, you really gave me the atmosphere of that kind of a bit like Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights kind of feel to it all. And so I'm going to score this a nine. All right. Overall, then. Overall, I'm going to score this a six point five, which is a slight recommend. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend this to sort of kick back to. It's not the kind of movie that you can just tune in and tune out of. You do need to be paying attention to it. It's, it's a, quite a demanding sibling in that respect. Richard, what do you think?
1: I was thinking of giving it a six as well, actually, mm-hmm. so I think we're pretty much on the same page there. Yeah. You know, it's Christmas Day. Everyone's had too much to eat and drink and it's very warm. You're all in your Christmas jumpers. Put this movie on. <laughs> Let granny enjoy it. <laughs> It'll make you feel cooler. That's what this movie will do. Yes. Yeah. And it's very Christmassy and festive. <laughs> All that talk of kids playing in green submarines. And whose turn is it to empty the septic tank? Thank God mum has gone to Iceland. As she defrosts the sprouts.
0: <laughs> so there we go. Uh, that is, I remember you done and dusted, out the door, and sorted for episode six. Now, moving on to episode seven, Richard of this series two of Drive By Cinema. What are we looking at? Looking at?
1: Well, this is exciting because we haven't discussed this prior to the podcast. No, we haven't. So, I'm going to suggest a movie, and you're going to suggest a movie. I am, yes, and one or other of us will have to pick.
0: Join us for tonight's A cool fight. Okay. Straightforwardly, moving on from this, I really would like you to see Magnolia. It's not a kind of movie we normally indulge in, uh, but I'd like to suggest Magnolia, simply because I think there are some parallels to this. It does a similar kind of thing in terms of connected timelines, but it doesn't really involve the supernatural. It talks about this in terms of free coincidences. Ooh. Is this the
1: one that's to do with HIV, guys? Or am I imagining that.
0: No, it's to do with the boy who goes on College Bowl for kids and uh, pees his pants when he wins. Okay. Um, My suggestion is
1: what I think is a well regarded and, and this is, you know, we did a screen film last week. Yeah. This is another screen film entry. It was made during lockdown. It's a horror Filmed on Zoom called wow. Host.
0: H O S T, Host. Yes. Mm. Can I be honest? I didn't really enjoy the screen films.
1: Let me explain how it was, partly how it was filmed. So I think the cast is a group of girls who are all friends chatting on Zoom. And the way it was filmed was the director went to each of their locations and he filmed them being killed in grisly ways. Then and then he will like cut their feed and cut in the footage of one of them being killed without warning any of the others, and they're all responding to the fact that they're seeing one of their friends get killed.
0: Okay, can I just let me just bring up a synopsis of Magnolia because I'll need to watch it again because it's been such a long time. Okay, it's from nineteen. It's from nineteen ninety nine. Richard. Okay. Okay. That might be allowable. It is very well regarded on IMDB, 8 out of 10. It's very well regarded on Rotten Tomatoes, 83%. And it's very well regarded on Letter Letterboxd at 4.1 out
1: of 5. Well, listen, I've already said Magnolia, Paul. I tried my best to come to you. I, I just warn you that if you reject Host, then the next one I go to is going to be worse. That's all i No, say. no.
0: I mean, I, I'm going to put Host on the back burner, preferably in okay. few weeks' time. Yeah. So okay. keep Host... Okay. Keep host alive, uh, but also th- giving me another choice as well as host for the weekend. And
1: l- listen, this is definitely called Magnolia, right? You're not a name. Right. It is called Magnolia. <laughs> You're not going to be dubbing in a different name. It is a
0: 1999 American epic psychological drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Stars among people Tom Cruise. Wow, and other people who aren't quite as famous. Tom Cruise. You're
1: getting me to watch a Tom Cruise movie. Okay.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. But he's not the star, he's just in there.
1: That's it then, Paul. Until the next time, when we will be reviewing Magnolia.
0: Yes! Goodbye. See you in the next one. Ciao for now.